Hello and welcome to Intelligence Talks, Knight Frank's property podcast. I'm Anna Ward. Today we'll be talking about the retrofit or rebuild debate. How should London's ageing office stock be modernised? Now, there have been two key events in the capital that have brought the retrofit or rebuild question back into focus. So firstly, the City of London Corporation is introducing new planning guidance that will require developers to carry out a detailed review of the carbon impact development options before they submit an application. And this guidance was adopted in March. The governing body of the City of London is also looking to adopt a retrofit first policy for its future city plan, according to proposals debated in April. So in this podcast, I'm joined by two Knight Frank experts focused on this very issue, our Head of London Offices Research, Shabab Kadar, and our Head of Planning, Stuart Bailey. Welcome, Shabab and Stuart. Hi, Anna. Pleased to be here. Hello, Anna. Shabab, obviously, you've looked in a lot of detail at office obsolescence risk and the various environmental target deadlines that are coming up. How does this prospect of, say, the City of London asking developers to fill out a sort of carbon assessment impact review of their buildings, how does that add to this debate from your perspective? I think the interesting aspect of the debate that is often missed is stakeholders around London need to get people back into the office. So anything that makes viability of schemes and viability of future development potentially adds a a further obstacle to developers developing those buildings that are best in class and able to attract people back into the office. So I think, you know, any decision that the the city comes, comes to, and we've done a lot of research for the city demonstrating that there is going to be quite a significant undersupply of best in class buildings at a time when demand for these better quality buildings is rising. So the city have a challenge to raise the supply of their market, but at the same time, sustainability has to be overarching all of their decision making. But I think it's a very complicated set of decisions that they have to make. And I don't think a decision can be applied universally to every building. I think every building ought to be treated on its own merits. Okay, no, that is interesting. And obviously, the research that you've carried out recently relates to the sort of total proportion of, of offices that will fall in, into this bracket of potentially needing to be rebuilt or refurbished in some way to meet environmental standards. Can you tell us a bit more about that in terms of how much space that amounts to in London? What we tried to do in our obsolescence research, which we carried out for our London report earlier this year, is try to identify which parts of London are most at risk of offices becoming obsolescent. So we did a very technical mapping exercise of the government's EPC database, and we found that quite a significant proportion of central London's office stock is at risk of not meeting the minimum energy efficiency standards legislation that's been proposed at a grade C level. So 55% of the office stock in London falls below that EPC C rating, which equates to around 140 million square feet. So quite a significant amount. And just to make sure I've got this right, the deadline for the C rating, that is 2027, isn't it? That's right. And Shabab, the next thing I was just going to ask you was around tenancies and whether, for example, when we get to 2027, for these building owners, are these regulations effectively saying that these tenancies, if they're in a building which is sub C, that the landlord effectively can't rent out the building anymore? Buildings that do not meet that threshold 
of EPC in EPC in 2027 will no longer be viable for a commercial letting. So there's around 10 million square feet of that space that will expire between now and 2027. These buildings are most at risk of becoming obsolescent. So if a lease expiry is not due, does that mean that the tenancy is not at risk, even if it's sub C? Well, so it applies to every building that has a tenancy in. But you know, those that have leases expiring soon will not be able to relet that space, especially if they're below an EPCC. So those buildings do become not fit for purpose as soon as those leases expire. And so if there's no expiry due, does that mean the tenants can stay in, in the building until it ends or would they have to break the tenancy agreement? Well, so the buildings have to be retrofitted or refurbished to be brought up to the legislative standard. So a number of occupiers are looking at the buildings that they're in and can see that they fall below those standards. So there's a number of occupiers that are looking at what the landlords are proposing to do to raise their energy efficiency levels and are thinking about exercising break laws to move ahead of refurbishments occurring. So it isn't just physical obsolescence that is the problem in central London. It's also the functional obsolescence of buildings, which occupiers are very sort of at the forefront of changing at the moment. Yeah, I know it's interesting to hear how it's playing out for different parties. Of course, it's not just the landlord, as you say, the tenants themselves are, are very aware. And there seems to be quite a shift, doesn't there, in terms of occupiers wanting to occupy the best fitted out buildings. They want the standards for environment to be very high. That's right. So, I mean, since the pandemic, there's been an acceleration in from working patterns that were around before the pandemic. But there is also a realisation that we are most productive and innovative and collaborative when we're in the office space. So occupiers are now looking at their office space and looking to see if that's the type of space that they currently have. And if not, they're looking to either retrofit their buildings or move into um, buildings that have those amenities already in place. It would be good to hear from you, Stuart, on given this debate is so up in the air, what you're hearing on the ground in terms of if there is some obsolete office space, what's likely to happen to it and what the process would be for landlords that are either thinking of refurbishing or potentially, you know, new developers coming in and a new planning permission is required for a change of use. Yeah, I think there's, there's going to be quite a division, actually, within certain areas of cities, particularly in, in London's sort of core areas. I mean, if you look at somewhere like the City of London, they have a strategy to make the city a more 24-7, seven-day-a-week economy, and that's bringing in all sorts of different uses, introducing some additional residential to their area in, in what has historically been very much an office-driven location and still would be prime office location. There are buildings within the city that are of an age and stage where you combine the carbon impact of demolishing them with the the kind of the, the impact on the, the potential future viability of the building and you're really left with a very difficult choice as to whether you are allowed to knock down and redevelop that building, particularly if you've got a, a retrofit first policy that may, may come forward in the city, or whether you actually look at trying to convert that building into something else entirely because it may not be suitable for office and it may be in a location that's slightly off-patch, so secondary accommodation and may not be attractive to the office market. So in planning policy terms, the carbon and sustainability policies are advancing very quickly, but we still have these planning policies that protect office use quite rigidly. And Shavab, what are you hearing from office developers in terms of, you know, what proportion of them will think, well, actually, you know, if we refurbish and refit out this office to a high environmental standard, we can benefit from higher rents here, it will be worth it. To what extent are they thinking that and which areas 
do you think are likely to retain officers, just upgraded ones to a higher standard? Very um, growing appreciation amongst landlords that the better quality office space that is sustainable, that is facilitating better well-being of employees, does command a premium in terms of, of rent. And we've done research that demonstrates the better your environmental accreditation, the more likely it is that you will achieve a higher rent on letting. A number of landlords are, are realising that, and we've seen from developments that have taken place, particularly across the length of the Elizabeth line, that these best-in-class buildings are achieving quite substantial rents above the average market rents in those locations. So there is an alignment now between the occupiers and the landlords in terms of how much that space ought to cost. So in terms of the research that you've done, obviously, you've, and earlier on this podcast, you talked about the volume of obsolete office space. At this point, is it not clear then whether some good proportion of that may well be just retrofitted to a higher standard? So that we don't know. What we do know is the you know, London offices are typically known as a very cyclical market because developers often develop quite high levels of space and it you know, tends to be um, vacant for long periods of time. That's no longer the case. The central London office market is very supply constrained in terms of the best quality office buildings. And the, the obsolescence issue is just going to accelerate that supply crunch um, that is likely to occur. And the challenges with development, not just in terms of planning, but the cost is also um, part of the wider development problem. So there will be, I think, a considerable amount of the office stock that just leaves the office market. So will further be squeezed in terms of better quality buildings. So that just pushes up rents across London. So I think we're unlikely to see a full replenishment of buildings that are most at risk of becoming obsolescent over the next couple of years. So we'll see an imbalance of demand versus supply. So how much do you think will end up going to another use then in terms of the office space that will be looked at? In London, I think there is also a realisation that we need to get people back in the office. So I think the stakeholders that are working on this are also thinking mm. about that as well. So I don't think it's easy to say how much of the office stock we might lose to other uses. I think what we will see is more mixed-use schemes. So you'll see schemes where a considerable portion of office space and within that office mix, there may be different types of office space. But I think we'll see a balance of uses in future developments that incorporate retail and hospitality and also public places as well, accessibility to that. How easy, Stuart, is it for landlords or developers that are looking at new schemes? I know, for example, there's been various changes to permitted development where you don't need a straight and complicated planning permission for change of use from office to residential. So there's now there's more size restrictions in place, so it seems less appealing. And, and looking at the numbers... There's certainly the number of residential units coming through that definitely on a downwards trend. So that seems to be sort of going out of fashion at the moment. So what would be the process then for developers that are looking seriously at sort of office to resi? Is it straightforward? I think in a nutshell, it's not straightforward. There's permitted development rights that, as you say, were introduced by the government in 2015. That did lead to a flurry of activity. There was quite a lot of applications at the time converting office buildings into residential there wasn't a lot of restriction on that at the time so things like private amenity space for residential and daylight sunlight implications weren't really part of those planning considerations 
that was tightened up in the last couple of years. Um, new guidance came out, a new class of permitted development right was brought in, and the permitted development route has also been restricted to 16,000 square feet, which isn't very big for, for a conversion of that nature. So permitted development has kind of run its course unless, unless the government changes that, height, that size threshold. So it really is back to a conventional planning application process whereby someone would look to get change of use on a an office building. It's worth bearing in mind that quite a lot of these properties in, in certain areas, I'm thinking in central London, some of, sort of Belgravia and Mayfair areas, there's quite a lot of what was built as housing stock that was made into office stock at some point. So townhouses that are operating as, as offices. Now, those could obviously be quite easily converted back into residential. However, we have a set of planning policies that do try to maintain and retain the supply of office stock for good economic reasons. And to be blunt about it, not all office occupiers are looking for new build schemes and they want they want some of that smaller stock as well. So I think the whole um, situation for actually securing planning permission for a conversion is basically back in the, the hands of a, a straightforward planning application for that and all of the policy considerations that go around it. From what Shabab's saying, it does sound that potentially that might be a more a trend that's more likely to happen in sort of outer London, given the fact the office market seems so starved of supply at the moment. And, and clearly that's only going to get worse with these environmental regulations. Correct. And that's where we've seen probably the majority of our inquiries about conversion from office to resi have been in outer London, such as Croydon, where there is sort of dated office stock that's perhaps not in as high demand now. So do you think there are any parts of central London where you, you think would be more suited for new residential areas? There's definitely pockets of, of, of central London where residential could come forward in what have conventionally been more mixed use or more commercial areas. So there are parts of the city of London, probably to the north of the city and the fringes of Hackney. There are parts in sort of lower Thames area as well, where I know the cities are looking at trying to increase footfall and opportunity and vibrancy in, in those areas there. But we're also seeing it on the fringes of the South Bank. This is, you know, there's quite a, an active office market for grade A space around those South Bank authorities. But as you step back into the sort of hinterlands of those boroughs, there's definitely sites and locations there which might have historically served an office purpose. But now they're struggling to make those stack up in viability terms. And I do think... Uh, a more mixed-use approach to those sites ought to be supported. So, Val, from your perspective, obviously you've mentioned, despite the office obsolescence factor, there will also be opportunities to develop new office space in London. So as well as all of this retrofitting and refurbishing, there should also be opportunities to develop, given there's not enough supply. But where in, in central London, where do you see those opportunities? So within the established central London business districts, the city core on the West End core, so that's Mayfair, St. James's, and the City of London office submarkets. Those two places we think will see the majority of the potential undersupply of best quality buildings, given where current and future demand are likely to focus on. But there is going to be substantial office development in new places like Canada Water, Earl's Court, um, Olympia, and these all have characteristics of mixed use. And they're very sustainably built and there will be a range of office uses you know, pitched at various rental levels. So those schemes are going to, you know, they have a very long time frame of delivery. So we're unlikely to meet the, the new demand over the, the next few years. But there is a considerable amount of global institutional money that is looking to invest in 
central London offices. And there is an opportunity through retrofitting or refurbishing some of the existing office stock to gain exposure to central London. But the economic environment is still quite challenging. Viability for developments are still quite tough um, for developers right now. Where would you say in London has got this right? For some reason, Canary Wharf has popped into my head. But I mean, I feel like Canary Wharf has undergone quite a facelift over the past few years because it used to be a primarily an office hub, but it, there's so much more residential and other types of commercial use there. It's almost just become a different type of destination in its own right. Over the last 10 years, there have been a number of new business districts that have emerged in central London. So places like White City over in the west of London has become a media destination for office occupiers. But you know, there is also residential and retail. And it's a very balanced mixed-use scheme with public places for, for people to, to share and enjoy. But then we've also got innovation districts in King's Cross. And there we also have a mixed-use element that underpins that development. That has become a tech sector over there. And over in the East, Canary Wharf has long been a mixed-use office market. And since the opening of the Elizabeth Line station, there's been an insignificant improvement in the attraction that that location now has for office occupiers. And given that you know, there is very little new development taking place there, but what is being developed does actually meet with occupier demands for larger and more flexible office plates. So the new developments in Canary Wharf are very attractive to, to global occupiers. And Stuart, you've mentioned a few examples, South Bank and north of the city, where you think we might see more residential. Just in terms of that mixed-use question, are there any other areas of London you think are good examples of that? I guess if the City of London is serious about this new retrofit-first approach, do you think it might be more challenging for developers to get planning in future? I think possibly taking the, the, the second bit of that question first in terms of the retrofit discussion, it's partly about making these buildings more environmentally effective and acceptable, but then it's also about new new occupier demands. And, and sometimes in the City of London and, and other parts of sort of high-density London, getting the, the roof terrace added to the building or the extra floors added to, to create the, the quality of space that the investor wants to achieve is sometimes challenging because of the constraints that we have in, the, in central London. So whether that be heritage constraints or viewing corridors and building heights, there are a lot of constraints to deal with. So sometimes what you want to achieve with the building isn't possible. In terms of some of the new areas as well, I'd point to the developments that have been happening around the kind of Tower Bridge to Oldgate East area as well. It's been, you know, this is all underpinned by transport infrastructure, really. So areas that have can build on new crossrail stations or, or good transport connections. But the mix of activities that's happening in, in that kind of city fringe area is making it a really kind of vibrant area. Some of the buildings that are going up as office don't necessarily read as office now. They could be they could be in a, a whole mix of, of, of uses when you actually read the building from street level, which I think is also an interesting dynamic and it shows the way that design has influenced things. And then the other area that I think is really interesting is Stratford. And, you know, initially is obviously the, the Olympic Park, but masses of residential going into that. And now we're seeing more office and you've got people like the museums and the universities are sort of piling into that as well. So that is going to create a further catalyst for office space and, and mixed use generally. There's been quite a lot of discussion recently about improved technology and the ability to almost audit and keep an audit of materials and recycled materials with the purpose or the intention of, of creating uh, hubs across London where 
parts and pieces from demolished buildings can be stored and then sent to the appropriate developments to add to the carbon neutrality of that development going forward. So there's some there's some emerging concepts and schemes here which could be a really important factor of development. I mean, the idea of, of, of taking the materials up and down the Thames on, on, on barges has been muted. And yeah, having all your sort of steel and, and, and materials that need to be moved from one part of London to the other and can be combined within the, the new developments um, footprint and measurement. Thank you both so much for coming on to discuss quite a tricky question in the built environment. Obviously, Shabab, you've done some incredible research into this and looking forward to hearing more from you on office obsolescence. And Stuart, hoping we can continue these conversations on the planning side as well. Obviously, a lot going on with the general election coming up, so I'm sure there'll be more to hear from you on on all of that. So thank you very much for joining me, Stuart and Shabab. Thanks. Thank you, Anna. So for more analysis, you can subscribe to our research note, which goes out every Monday, Wednesday and Friday. You can see our show notes for more details on that. And please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And thank you for listening to this week's Intelligence Talks.